from that series than any series probably in the last five years that I have been in charge of anyway. Um, I had responses from one end of the spectrum to the other, some going, I can't believe he talked about that. And others going, I can't believe he talked about that. (laughs) But the transparency and the openness and the victory that is innate in the center of our testimonies is something that we miss out on because we don't tell people our story. And the word tells us that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we are so quick to pull and draw from the blood of the lamb and so hesitant to use the word of our testimony to encourage someone to go, this is where I was, this is where I am today because of what God has done. And so when we began to to move toward this new year, the thing that the Lord placed in my heart was that we're to continue sharing those testimonies because I don't know about you, but there are people that I see in church that I go, I will never be able to do that. I'll never be able to be like that. You know, they were born holy. (laughs) You know, they've obviously never been in detention hall. You know, (laughs) they've obviously never, don't even know what a timeout chair is, but the thing that was in my heart is that every single one of us have a story, you know, and, and even those who think they don't have a big sin story, you've got a story. You've got a walk, a journey that God has shared with you. And so what I have encouraged each of these to do, man, you are going to be so surprised. Some of the stories that come out, some of the testimonies, but what I've asked them to do is I said, I want you to take us where you were. I want you to kind of let us know who you were during that time then I want you to share with us a waterfall moment. Does anybody understand what that means? That all of us have seen these images of somebody just standing under a waterfall and the power of that, that water just washing over them, just saturating them, and it just looks pretty amazing to go, yeah, I could so stand there. Well, we have those spiritual moments in our life where the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelms us and overtakes us And we are washed, and we are set free, and we are refreshed. I want to know about that moment in their life. And I want to know about the journey from there to here. And then, you know what I want more than any of that? I want to know how they maintain their relationship with him. I want to know what their prayer life looks like. I want to know, do they, do they go and pray in a closet? You know, do, you know, what music do they listen to? I want to know how you maintain your walk with God. Don't you want to know what somebody else is? I mean, are you talking to him every day? What are you reading? You know, what books inspire you? I want to know where they were, where they are now, and how they are growing and maintaining their walk with Christ. I want you to leave here every Wednesday night with a tool in your hand and and a feeling of going, I can do that. I can do that. Our first speaker, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Come on, Anna-Marie. I prayed and prayed and prayed about the progression because we have so many uh, wonderful testimonies. And every single time I prayed, God said, start here. Start here. Um, She and I have been in a relationship for a long, many, many years. God sent her 12 years. Oh my gosh. One of us has aged. (laughs) It would be me. (laughs) But uh, I have watched her walk consistently. Uh, I see her giftings. She walks in 
uh, so many of the anointing, so many of the power gifts. Her strengths lie in teaching, in the prophetic, in compassion, in clarity. Um, she has a lot of gifts, and I know that God is going to do mighty things through the word that you are carrying. So if you will extend your hand toward her. Yes, please. Father, I thank you so much for Anna, and I thank you for the word that she carries. Father, now I ask that your Holy Spirit would just fill this space. I ask, Father, that hard hearts would become tender and that ears would open wide. And Father, we ask that you teach us tonight. We are going to run hard after you tonight, Father. We bless you. Cover my sister. Release her, Father, in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That was a lot of stuff to... She was talking, I was like, that's a lot. Um, Well, when uh, Barbie sent me the invitation and and, uh, said that, you know, would I go first, I did not jump to that response. But as I was preparing for this, I want you to know that I tried really hard to put this in a really pretty box for you. I wanted to give you my testimony, but do it in a really pretty way. I wanted this testimony to just look nice and clean. And when I got in my prayer closet, and yes, I literally go into a closet, I heard the Lord say, that's not what you're supposed to do. I want you bare and I want you raw. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I said, okay. He said, this is what your your testimony looks like. And it was a big box with the paper wrapped in all different directions. He said, this is what they need to see, the mess that you've been through and how I got you through it. So we're going to go there. I'm going to share a scripture with you first because I want you to understand when I get ready to share my testimony, you have to know why this scripture is so precious to me and why it was my lifeline for probably about five to six years. In Romans 8, 1, it says, so now there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I needed that scripture for a reason. Um, I was raised in a home. There were seven of us. I am number six of seven. And I am the last girl. And so all my life, really, I was raised in a home with just boys. My sisters were older. They were already gone. And so I was raised with just two boys in front of me and one underneath me. But all my life, I had to do this perfect walk. I had to behave well. I did not go to detention center. I was too afraid to cross any line that was drawn for me. And so whatever I was told to do, I did. Well, I had never, ever heard the gospel at all. Never. And you're thinking, right here in the United States, you should hear the gospel. Nobody ever told me that Jesus died for my sins. I had this longing on the inside of me that something was missing. I had this hole that was so deep that I couldn't find what it was. And I asked, my senior year, I asked a friend of mine, I said, Kelly, is there something else? Is there something else that I can grab a hold of because I feel so empty and nothing's filling this place? And she said, no. And I didn't understand why I just longed for more. And I just, I kept trying to find it and I couldn't. So after my senior year, I graduated. And you know how you see those shows that the woman says, I was pregnant and I didn't know it? That does happen. Every woman in the room is going, how can you not know it? Well, it did. I was right out of high school, and um, I was in my sister's house in New Jersey, and I happened to fall. 
And when I fell, a shell fell on me, so they rushed me to the emergency room, and they're taking x-rays of my back and my neck and all that. And there's this huge glass wall. And I can see them, and I see all these people rushing in. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm probably paralyzed, and I don't know it. Thinking, why would I think that when my arms and legs are moving? But I was was terrified that something was wrong. So the woman comes out to me, and she says, ma'am, can you sit up? I'm like, yes, ma'am. And I was waiting for that moment. She said, do you know you're six months pregnant? That's what I said. Hmm. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. I was raised in a home where you did not, did not, especially back, way back then, there was not teen pregnancy. It was not heard of. It was very quiet. If it was, it was silently done. My father had raised us, and, and, and he was very particular about how he raised us. Our name meant everything. When you left the house, remember you're a falcon. You walk with that. You, you keep your word. You walk in integrity. You do what's right and find no fault in you. So now I have to find out what am I going to do. In that whole period of time, in one day, I go home with my sister who is saved And she puts me on a bus to my other sister's house. Not one word said. I get on a bus and I travel from, now mind you, I am not even showing. I travel from New Jersey on a bus all the way to Kansas City by myself. Have no idea. Now mind you, I know that you guys see something different today, but all my life I was not, if if God had shown me way back then that I would do this, I I probably would have run. Because when they would call me to the board to do a a problem, I would cry. If any focus came and said, Anna, will you come to the front? I'd cry. So they just stopped doing that. I didn't like that. I walked with my head down. I was very timid. I did not want to speak to you face to face. My mother would say, lift up your head and say hello. I'd rather just be left alone, do my thing, and everybody else leave me be. So as, as God began to do this work, I travel all the way to Kansas And I sit down with my family, or my sister, and she said, here's your choice. My mother first tells me my choices, and then my sister gives me my choice. And my choice was, find some place by myself. I'm right out of high school. I don't even have a job. Or give the baby up. And if if abortion had been an option for them, they probably would have chosen that. Now, mind you... My family at that time was not saved, so I don't want you to think, oh my goodness, how horrible. They did not know the Lord. My, older, my sister Grace did. But so we, we get in these conversations, and I begin to, they begin to make the phone calls to my family, to my brothers, and all I hear is from everybody is, you failed. Nobody's going to want you. You have now failed. And I, I can't even, I don't even know what to do, because I'm thinking, I don't, I don't even know how to feel. I don't, I don't know how to, if, if I'm supposed to be excited, I'm terrified. I don't know if I'm going to be homeless and not have a place to go. I don't know anything, and I don't even know God. I have no place to run. So I cried and I cried, and, and, and I was raised that you don't panic in a situation. You maintain yourself until the situation's over, and then you can fall apart. So I did that. I'd wait till everybody was gone to bed and then I'd cry. And I, I just, I said, if there's a God, I just need you. I don't know what to do. Because by tomorrow, I have to have an answer. Or I'm in Kansas City with no way home and I don't know what to do. 
My father had always told us if we ever got pregnant, don't come home. My mother was not going to tell him. So she didn't. She didn't. So they made the decision for me that I would give the baby up. This is what you're going to do. This is what's best. This is what you're going to do. You're going to stay with your sisters. And then when it's all over, you're going to go home. Nothing ever happens. You'll be fine and move on. Okay. I can, I can do that. Whoa. I, I mean, the whole time I'm terrified thinking, I, I don't know what to do. So I told him, I said, I'm asking you one favor. Please do not make me give this baby up to somebody I don't know. Please, I'm asking you. So I decided, because I was closest with my oldest sister at the time, I decided to give him to her. So I don't know anything about childbirth. They don't take, I mean, I'm already six months, almost seven months. I go to the doctor, and then before you know it, I'm getting ready to have a baby. I don't panic. My mother said not to. They, my sister, my water broke. I woke my sister up. They take me to this room, and they leave me by myself. And they walk out. And they said, we'll be back in a little while. Here's a mirror. Call me when you see the head coming. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I am 17 years old, right out of high school. What is this supposed to look like? I don't know. I don't know the pain that I'm feeling. I can't cry because I'm not supposed to, so maintain. So I did. They call my sister and they said, she's, I called the lady. I said, something's happening. Please, somebody come and help me. They took me. I delivered the baby. And then I asked, please let me hold this baby. My sister agreed because the doctors back then would not let you do that if you're going to, you know, give a child up. I held that baby up and I said, if there is a God, this baby's yours. I don't know what else to do, but I can't do this. And that was it. That was it. So I raised him for, with my sister for about three months, back and forth, back and forth, trying to walk through the emotion. Because they put me on a bus two weeks after I delivered and sent me back to Texas. She would come and I'd watch him for a little bit and she'd go back. But I, I tried to find out how to do this. Well, God shows up. My little brother got saved. And he said, go to church with me. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. When they presented the gospel to me, and they came and asked me, they said, I'll go to the altar with you. Listen, this is why it's so important you share your faith. You don't know. You just don't know what somebody else is walking through. It doesn't matter. Listen, that girl Kelly that never shared her faith, she knew the Lord. I went to church and she was there. And I asked her, why didn't you tell me? She said, because I wasn't doing right. I didn't really care that she wasn't living a perfect life. I didn't even know what it looked like anyways. It wouldn't have mattered to me. I just needed to know that somebody loved me and would walk me through this place. So I get saved, and that was it. That was the beginning point of this longing on the inside of me to be filled. Still having all the scars. Now listen, nobody walked me through this. Nobody sat with me and said, let me walk you through the healing process of what you just walked through. I was never asked, are you hurt? How do you feel? Are you broken? You know, what do you feel for what's just happened in your life? It was never spoke of. 
so when I met the Lord and I, I heard the pastor say, you could talk to God. Now, all my life, my parents, my mom would say, you can talk to God, but I didn't really understand. And so when that pastor explained to me that you could talk to God, that's where my walk began. That's where the journey began with me and Jesus. And here's where we're going to slide into my, my waterfall moments. Barbie was saying that the waterfall moments are when God just washes over you. But listen, every one of those moments, sometimes the waterfall is so much pressure because of the prayer that we pray, God, change me, that that waterfall knocks you over. And so some of my waterfall moments have been, ah, oh, and others have been where I've been totally laid out because of God doing a change. And so my, my first moment of really, really feeling God I sat on a porch. Um, I was driving by um, in my neighborhood. There was a uh, coffee house because I lived by a college, and I drove by this one place, and I saw this coffee house, and I walked in. And there was all these college kids, and they were worshiping. Some were reading the Word. They were just hanging out. And the next morning, I go, and there's a note on my car. We'll pick you up for Bible study. My mom's like, you're not going. You don't. I'm like, I'll follow them jumped in, followed them to the Bible study, which was right up the street from my house, and that was, that was over for me. I began to just love being around God's people. Just, I, I was so hungry to fulfill this emptiness and this void and this ache on the inside, and still yet I couldn't tell anybody what just happened in my life. And so I had a gentleman come to my house one day, and we were sitting down, and he's sitting on the porch with me, and he looks at me, and he said, Anna, do you know how much God loves you? And I said, no. I said, I know he does, but I just, I, I don't understand the way you understand. He said, do you know he loves you just for you? Huh. I said, are you serious? He said, absolutely. I said, it doesn't matter what I've done? He said, no. I said, really? I said, it doesn't matter if I'm not perfect and that I can't do everything perfectly well? He said, no. You can fall and he'll kick, pick you up. I said, are you serious? I mean, this to me was so amazing. So I sat there for a minute and I said, so I can be me. Now, mind you, I didn't even know who me was. But the best me that I knew, I was like, so I can just be that. And he said, absolutely. And he'll still look at me with love and not condemnation or, or any pressure on me that I'm doing wrong or I'm falling short. He said, no, he'll love you through it my first waterfall moment. That made me fall in love with Jesus. I didn't just love him. I fell in love with the creator of the universe. That was a moment for me that said, I can breathe now. So every day after work, I'd run in my room and I'd hit my face and I would cry for this child that I gave up. I would weep before God and ask him to heal me said, God, I don't know, but my heart is broken. I can't talk to anybody. I don't know who to go to, but I know you'll listen to me. I know you'll understand. Day after day. And this is where that relationship began to cultivate because it was me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Nobody could understand me like he could. Nobody could look at me and see purity except Jesus. 
Nobody would look at me and go, this is her past and this is who she is because I associated who I was with what I had done. But he didn't. Waterfall moment number one. And I think that was the beginning of this passionate walk with God. Listen, sometimes God brings friends around us for for certain things, but I really believe to find that place of passion and intimacy with God, it's just you and him. No other place to go. No other person to talk to that would understand you like Jesus does. Nobody to know what the heartache feels like. I can have... um, I can feel for you. My heart can break with you. I can cry for you. But to feel the actual ache and the pain that you go through and the, and the confusion and the bewilderment of everything going around, only God can do that for you and bring this sense of, I can breathe. And so I began to seek the Lord. And if the pastor said it, I went and looked it up. I mean, I, I just, if he said, the Bible says I went and found it to see if that was true. I wanted to know. I wanted to know. Then here's a waterfall moment that didn't come so easy. My walk with the Lord was just, I mean, to serve him was not enough for me. Any opportunity I had to serve him, I found. Ernie and I got married um, about a year and a half, almost two years after my son Cliff was born. And Ernie was already serving the Lord and I was already saved. And Anything I could do, because I felt like I owed him everything for making me finally feel whole again. Even though I was still broken and there were still messes in my life, I finally had that place. And so any place I could serve, we did. It didn't matter. Listen, we went from children's church pastors to the youth to you name it, we did it. Because how can you repay a God? Who does so much? Any place I could share the gospel, I did. On the streets, I did street witnessing, drama. Anything I could do. Any place I could share the gospel to let them know that there was a God who believed in them, I took that opportunity and still do today. Because somebody hurts just like I did. We were um, youth pastors at a church and church split. And I'm sure some of you've been there before. For me, I didn't take it the right way. I was very hurt and I was broken because now I I love, listen, I loved God. I did not like his people. I thought they were mean. I thought they were just, I just, I told her, I said, I don't want anything to do with God's people. I love God, but I'm not going to church. He's like, honey, we need to, I'm not going to church. I'm just not doing it. And I didn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. I did not want to walk in the church again to be hurt and wounded once again. So I didn't. My kids would say, Mommy, are we going to church? Nope, not going. Or he'd say, let me pray if you don't touch me. Just leave me be. I want to stay right here because I am angry. I'm hurt. Everything we did and all of this mess has happened to us. God and his wonder, I would still cry out to him going, God, I love you, but I don't like your people. I just don't. And I need you to help me because I know that's not, I knew it's not right, but I just didn't like them. And so 
One night I was praying, I'm like, okay, God, I quit. Because my daughter said, mama, we got to go back. I miss church. And I couldn't explain to her that I didn't like God's people. I was, I was not going to put that in a four-year-old. And so I, began, I asked the Lord that night to help me. And I'm not going to go into my dream because it's lengthy, but I want you to know that at the moment that dream happened, when I woke up, this broken heart was mended. The anger and the, the frustration and the, the hurt that I felt toward them, I didn't ever hate them. I just, I couldn't understand how you can behave like that and put his name to it. And so the next morning I woke up and I felt new. I felt whole. That waterfall moment didn't, what didn't feel too good because it was a washing to go, Anna, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. What, what I'm calling you to do is much more than where you're at. And so the journey begins again. And probably about hmm, 10, 12, 13 years later, <laughs> we have the same situation. I'm like, Ernie, what is the deal? We have the same situation. And I begin to think, what are we doing wrong? You know, what are we doing wrong that we're back in the same situation again with another church split? But this time, my waterfall moment came differently. This time, as I stood there and began to talk to God about the things that were going on and the situation that we were getting ready to walk out of, I leaned my head back and I said, Oh God, I will not walk into another church and compare them to what I just walked out of. I won't do it. I won't say because they hurt me, surely these people will hurt me. We've all done that. This time, God, I'm going to walk out and when we walk into wherever you have us, which was Springhouse, and, and, and I, I did fight that. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm not going to look at them and go, well, they might be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at them through the eyes of what we just walked through. I'm going to look through your eyes. So help me to see beyond myself. Help me to see what, where you want us and what you want us to do. And at first I struggled. I, I struggled. Ernie jumped in head first. He was ready to go. And I'm like, just give me a minute to breathe. But I want you to know I ran into Jerry Shimack was the first time. And I tested her. She said, would you like to come and clean at Weary? She goes, if you can, it's no problem. I will understand. I thought, I have never heard anybody say that, so let's see if it works. I said, no, I don't want to. She's like, okay, great. So I said, let's see what she sees, see if she'll talk to me again next week. Next week, she came up. Hey, are you okay? How are you doing? I was shocked because she meant it. It didn't matter if I didn't help her. I was not used to that. That was the beginning of me going, okay, you're true to your word. You're true to your word. And so when I made that decision and we walked into Springhouse, I told the Lord, I will love arms wide open. I will love arms completely wide open. I'm not going to draw a line and say, you can come this far. I'm going to love them where they're at and I'm going to see the potential that you have and I'm not going to look at anything else. That was a moment for me to be able to start looking at God's people differently than what I had been. It was a moment for me to trust God that if I got nicked, which I have, that God's able to heal me. 
if they didn't turn out to be what I thought they were going to and they hurt me in the process, God's able to fix that and love arms wide open. God is a faithful God and we have to understand that when we begin to walk in those places with him and we begin to allow God to do the work that only God can do, our lives will change. Redemption. Redemption. He is my redeemer, the lover of my soul. And then everyday life for me. I think sometimes we're so used to the chaos of the world and we lean our ear toward the chaos that we miss the very presence in the time of God. Everyday moments. I was thinking the other day, I said, God, what is your presence like to me? What does it smell like to me? What is it? And I began to smell peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Sometimes his presence those waterfall moments, or when I'm making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for my grandbabies and they look up and go, Nana, you're the best Nana ever. That is God reassuring me that he's got it. There's those times where I put my grandson to bed and I'll lay with him and, and, and the situation that my grandson has walked through and he looks at me and goes, Nana, I love Jesus. Oh, Those are the moments that God's presence is there and we're looking. Now listen, I love the moments when we're here and the presence of God is falling and we can feel it in our knees buckle and we stand in awe of this reverent God. But every day, every single day, his presence is wherever you'll take him. Every day. In the peanut butter and jelly moments. In the nighttime when I tap my husband and I go, honey, I feel insecure today. I'm very vulnerable. I feel very raw. And, I, and, I, and I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? And he takes his arms and he wraps them around me and he begins to pray. Ah, the presence of God. The moments when my best friend will lean over and, and just wrap her arms around me doesn't even know that at that moment was exactly what I needed. Those are God moments. Those are moments that we're missing because we're looking for a feel when it's not. It's not always a feeling. It's a knowing. It's a knowing that God is always there because we carry him on the inside of us. The presence of God can manifest wherever you are at. In the moments of making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and cleaning up that stuff and watching those babies' faces. The moments where I gather blankets for the needy and watch them go, this blanket's for me. Yeah, and their eyes light up with such grace and such gratitude that it overwhelms my heart and go, this is a God presence moment. This is a moment where God is here right now. When we hand the box to the people and they look and go, thank you, if you didn't give this to me today, we wouldn't have eaten. Ah, those moments when you look at the people in the congregation and you stand with them and we walk among them and we greet them and you wrap your arms around them and you go, God has something more for you. And you call them to a higher place because of your walk and they look at you and you can call them higher. And you tell them there's potential for them. God's presence. It's in the eyes, beloved, of each other. If you'll just take a moment to look. We box God in and say, this is the way his presence is supposed to feel because you had a one moment with him. Step outside. Let him out of your box and go, God, every day in the little mundane things, let me see your presence manifest.
It is in those things. It's when you look at the waitress and give her hope when she's had a bad day. It's in those moments. It's in those very moments. So how do we keep the waters flowing? He can be found only when you look for him. If you're not looking for him, you're not going to find him. You've got to look for God. I am not saying I am perfect. Please be on that. I want you to understand I'm in desperate need of God every day. How do you keep waters flowing? For me, I have to watch my heart. I'm honest with myself. Listen, we can lie to ourselves all day long, but I'm very honest with myself. If I'm insecure that day, I will say I'm insecure. I know I'm supposed to be past that point because we're supposed to be, as you grow in the Lord, I'm conquer. No, some days I am very insecure. Times I've struggled with jealousy, and I have to admit it. I will go before God and admit it, and I'll tell my husband, I'm struggling with this today. And I'm honest with myself and before God. I got to keep the water flowing. I can't give you what I don't have. If, if the water source is, is clogged up because I've dammed it up with junk, you're going to just get what's on the top. And then when I'm tapped out, I'm tapped out, and you're going to get me, and listen, you don't want what I have to offer. Not outside of God. Because it's going to be mixed with my emotions, my, 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 my thinking. I don't want it to be mixed with that. I want that pure, crisp water that would flow into your life that would flow into my grandchildren's lives, my husband's life, my family. I want to be able to do that. Try not to block the flow. Our hearts and our responses to our situations. Watch your response. When something happens, how, what do you respond to? How do you react? Pay attention to that. Because one little pebble starts to build up. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And before you know it, you're like, God, I am tapped out. I don't understand why I'm not getting this revelation, why I'm not feeling that first pebble that you lay down. It starts from there, and it begins to build. Many of us say we don't know what his presence feels like. I don't know, or I'm looking for his presence. let's, Let's go back and just remember, it's not always in the... The chill bump moments, those are amazing. They are. I love those moments where I'm on the floor and I'm eating carpet and I can't lift my head because of the weightiness of knowing who God is and who I am not. I absolutely love those moments where I can do the ugly cry and Sunday morning, listen, Sunday morning, I thought it's over in about five more seconds if I can. When you, listen, when the worship's going on up here and you're coming from behind back there, you... Oh, it's weighty. And when you step on this platform, your knees begin to buckle. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And Sunday morning, I thought if I take off, I'm not coming back. And they're going to have to just kind of slide me off the platform. It's in those moments that I love and cherish. But I can't forget every day. Every day are those moments I can have. My life now. I base it on some scriptures. And there, there, listen, I go through a lot of scriptures, but there are two that I hold on to dearly. And this is my heart cry. It's found in Luke 1, 37 through 38. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. 
and no word from God shall be without power or possible, impossible of fulfillment. I'm going to stop right there. No word from God. When I'm struggling, I go to the word. God, what are you telling me? Give me a scripture, God, that I can hold on to. I can't hold on to the emotions of what I'm feeling, whether it be frustration or fear or anxiousness or whatever it is. God, I need to know. I get knocked off. I lose my footing. But when I get in the word, it puts me back on track. Because my mind can wonder. I can begin to go through all the what ifs and the... I I can play the whole scenario out. We've all done it. I can have the whole thing laid out in, in, in one moment. But when I open the word and he gives me his promise, it says, nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power. There's power in the word. It shifts your life. It keeps us on track. It keeps us focused here instead of inwardly. It keeps us focused outwardly. When we keep our eyes on God, when we search the word out, and then Mary said, Behold, I am a handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to what you have said. There are times when God has asked me to do something and I have to go back and go, Okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'm not comfortable doing it. It doesn't feel good. I am scared. I'm nervous. I'm, I might fail, but I would rather fail doing it than to miss the mark. And go, God, I missed a moment. Have I missed moments? Absolutely. Absolutely. His grace is sufficient. There are promises I've yet to see, but his word will be fulfilled. There are things I'm still praying for and I'm fasting for and I'm seeking God, going, God, I trust you. My children's salvation, they have never seen anything else in our home except God and they don't serve him. And you wonder, how? How is that possible? How, God, can I minister to young kids every day when we were youth pastors and not see my children saved? How is it? This wasn't our plan. But God has them. And God will fulfill that. They will fulfill the destiny that God has them. It will be done. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I trust that God does. I trust that his word will be fulfilled in my children's lives. My second scripture is, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Every day, I need God to instruct me. I need him to counsel me. I need to sit down face to face and go, okay, God, this is the situation I'm in. What do you have to say about it? What do I do? Where do I go? Who sh- Listen, who should I have pray for me? I do ask him that. Where do I go? How do I handle this? What? Counsel me. Watch me. I think it is an amazing thing to know that God has his eye on you. Ah. That in itself is a Selah moment. God has his eye on you. Jesus the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the stars into place, who told the ocean to stop, who every day makes the sun to rise and the moon to come out in the evening. 
gives you the very breath that you breathe, that he would counsel us. Ah, Jesus. God is still working on me and I still have moments. I do make sure I have my heart check. I can never repay him for all he's done. For me to maintain my walk, I have to serve. That's me. For me, I find fulfillment in that. If I, if I can serve, whatever, the case, whatever it may be, cleaning, picking up, decorating, whatever it may be, there is a sense inside of me that I can't explain. But as you serve others, you know that you have to, for me, I have to know that I have to be careful. I have to stay in check. So that when I do serve, I serve out of a pure heart. I don't serve with an agenda. That's what keeps me on that track, is to go, God, if I serve, and I do this when, when I don't want to, why don't I want to? Is it just because I don't like what they ask me to do? Or is it because... I'm tired. I go through that whole process. Listen, I, I, I go through this, all this in my head. I love his word. This is what maintains me. If I could give you a picture, and I'm going to try to draw this the best that I can, and if I could have something up there, I would. I've tried, but it's going to take somebody that does graphic and all that. But just picture this for a moment. The word of God is living, and it's breathing, and I think sometimes when we open the word, we look at it, and it's just wor- letters on a page. It's not. God's word has a heartbeat. And when you open the word, if you could see the words come off the page and begin to walk and begin to make the figure of Jesus, he is the word. He came and dwelt. He walked among us. The word of God is alive. Do you understand? It is alive. When you read the stories, they're not just a story. This is somebody's life. This is somebody's life. Your story, my story. It's our life. It's our heartbeat. It's where God has done redemption, has done salvation, has done all of these things in our life. Listen, it has a heartbeat and it breathes. So when you read those scriptures, Let it be to me according to your word. Life begins to come on the inside of you. Even if it's one scripture. During the month of December, I stayed on one scripture. And it was Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. I kept going back going, God, what did she feel like when she pondered? Did she wonder what Jesus was going to be as he began to grow? I began to ponder those things on the inside of me and began to wonder what it was like. I can take one scripture and just camp there until it becomes a part of who I am. And then when I begin to say it, I don't have to say it to talk myself into it. I say it because I know it's true. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that else that I could ask, think, or imagine. I know because I've seen it. The word is alive. The word is alive. And I want you to understand if you'll take the word daily... One scripture, if that's all you can do. If you don't understand that scripture, keep reading over it and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to enlighten you. Google it. Search it out. Find what the commentaries and just read. And then God begins to give you your own revelation. Before you know it, you go, I got it. I got it. 
And it's life. It's life to you. The word is life. I love my prayer. Every morning when my feet hit the floor, I don't talk to God like God is way over there. God is here. And so in the morning when I get up, I say, good morning, Jesus. And my feet hit the floor. I'm like, thank you for another breath. Thank you for watching over us as as we slept. Thank you. I thank him through the morning. And then I wait for a brief moment. I tell him how much I love him, how grateful I am. And then I go, what is on your heart today? What do you want to tell me? What do you see that's breaking your heart that I want to pray for today? Sometimes God will drop a name in my spirit and I'll pray for them. Sometimes I'll see a situation and I'll pray for it. Sometimes he'll put a country on my heart and I'll pray for that country until I get a release. I love that about God. If I see an ambulance pass by, I think if that were for me, I'd want somebody to pray for me. So I pray for the ambulance that passes by. And whoever they're going to, I pray for them that are there. And for the policeman or whoever it is, any, any situation like that. Because it could be me. It could be my family member. It could be my friend on the other end of waiting for that ambulance to get there. And so I ask God to guide them. I ask God to cover them. I ask God to be with them. When I'm in hard situations like with my, my, my children and, and I see that they're not saved or, or we have a situation with my family, I start to pray for people who aren't saved that are in the same situation I'm in. And I ask God to help them and give them hope because the mother who paces the floor that has no hope, my heart breaks for her because I know God for me is going to come through for my children. I have that hope. I know what the word says. I know what his promises are. But the woman or the family that doesn't know and they don't know where to run and they're at the same place I was when I was pregnant at 17 out of high school, I want to give them hope. I may not be there, but God can be there and I can intercede for them. And so tonight I just want to leave you with, with a couple of things as, 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 we're, as I'm winding down. Tammy, if you guys could come up. I want you to love God just because he's God. I want to, just, just because he's God. That amazed me that he could love me just because he created me. He loved me just for me. Love him just because he's God. Fall in love with him. Fall totally in love with God. His word, his presence, just his character and who he is and what he can do. Your salvation alone is enough. Read the word and meditate on it till it becomes a part of you. Every day, take that one scripture until it becomes life to you. Now, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I said that every day until one day I was like, wow, I don't have that struggle anymore. It was life to me. Serve without wanting anything in return. Serve because you love him. And finally, love people where they are and look at them at where they could be. Look for potential. Everybody in this room and everybody you run into, whether saved or not saved, they have potential. They have a God call on their life. And if we could just tap into that and watch them come up and take off running 
to where God calls them, we've done everything God asked us to do. What I want to do tonight, Sue and, and the elders, if you guys can come forward, I want to open up the altars for prayer. I want to encourage you, if you've struggled with, with not feeling good enough or some of your past has held on to you when it's not supposed to because God is faithful to, to forgive you of those things. If you're looking for a way to be able to be his hands and feet and be a voice and you're just sometimes too timid to do it, God can give you the courage to do that. waterfall moments, Father. May this be the beginning, Father, where they find you and they seek you, Father, in everyday things that they do. May they look for you, Father, and they find you. May they have a heart for your word and a hunger, Father, for your presence. May today, Father, may they see you in a different light. May they find the character in you, Father God, through your word. And may they know that you are a faithful God, that you redeem time, Father God, that you redeem that which was lost, O God, that you, O God, are a faithful God and that you are true to your word. Father, cover them as they go home. Protect them. Give them sweet sleep, Father. Let them know that your promises are yes and amen. We bless you. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor for you are a faithful God.
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.